Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Due to COVID-19, grief is rampant across the country. There's an urgent need to address the ever-present sense of loss and despair that many are feeling. And that's why Hope the Heart Ministry is hosting a virtual symposium called Grief and Loss, Coping Day-to-Day in Our COVID World. This symposium will provide biblical hope and practical help for everyday challenges that come along with grief. Today, we're joined by Dr. Eric Scalise. He is the Chief Strategy Officer for Hope for the Heart. He's going to share with us why they decided to host this symposium. He's also going to share a little bit about Hope for the Heart ministry. We'll hear that and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by Dr. Eric Scalise. He is the Chief Strategy Officer for Hope for the Heart. Now, they have a virtual symposium on grief and loss and coping day-to-day in our COVID world coming up next week. We're going to hear about that coming up in a little bit. But first, Dr. Scalise, tell us a little bit about Hope for the Heart. Uh, Well, the Hope for the Heart was founded by June Hunt uh, almost 35 years ago. Actually, this is our 35th uh, anniversary, and uh, June... Um, has a passion, has had a passion her entire life about coming alongside people who have questions or broken, who are hurting, who have come out of trauma and various times of testing in their life and to provide biblical uh, hope and practical help in the, in the form of what we now call keys for living, uh, which are a topical library of just about every topic you can imagine, over a 100. As a matter of fact, I have yet to see anything quite as comprehensive in any ministry organization that has both the breadth of topical coverage and the depth of really looking at what God's Word has to say about these different things. Uh, Primarily, uh, June has been a radio voice. She does uh, a call-in, live call-in show every evening, Monday through Friday, where she talks to people about any range of topics in their lives. And then since then, we have continued to expand and are repurposing a lot of these key assets into other kinds of training and people helping resources. How did you land your role with Hope for the Heart? Uh, Well, I've known June for 11, 12 years now, uh, prior to coming to Hope for the Heart. I was the senior vice president for the American Association of Christian Counselors. I've been in the mental health people helping space for about 40 years, uh, have three licenses. So I have a clinical background, uh, but my heartbeat, frankly, is to um, really equip the church, capital C, uh, to come alongside people who are wounded and need help. Speaking of help, you have a grief, a grief and loss um, live stream that's coming up to help people that are dealing with COVID-19. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, June and I are uh, co-hosting a symposium uh, on grief and loss. And obviously the, the pandemic is not a national uh, pandemic only. It's a global issue. I often say that if COVID-19 was the earthquake, then the coming tsunami is the mental health issues uh, that has resulted. Almost every mental health statistic has been on the rise over the last year and a half. Depression, anxiety, grief, loss, domestic violence, suicide, addiction, 
you know, people have uh, suffered economic and job loss. Uh, obviously, a number of people have lost loved ones and friends and coworkers. Uh, the social distancing uh, we are now seeing because we were created for a relationship and the isolation, I think, is causing a lot of these grief and loss issues to magnify. And so we felt like this was a timely and an important topic to have some conversation about. Why is it so important as a church and as Christians to focus on this specifically? You know, I think historically, Colleen, the church, I'll say capital C, um, has not always done well uh, when it comes to mental illness or mental health. We tend to shy away from it. And there is as much pain inside those sanctuaries as there are outside in the community. And, you know, for years, even though I'm clinically trained and have been in the university training therapists, if you look at the research, the most predominant factor on whether or not somebody receives help, feels like they are beginning to move forward, have hope again in their life, is not about a certain theoretical approach or therapeutic technique, but it has everything to do with the quality of the relationship between the person seeking help and the one receiving it. And if that's the case, then the church can be equipped and trained on how to come alongside others and be a resource, not to replace um, competent, needed mental health services when they are, uh, because for me, it's not an either or, but a both and. And so the church needs to be engaged in this kind of ministry. Um, as the pandemic goes on and churches feel uh, across a lot of different um areas like restricted and things they are able to do. Uh, for instance, a lot of Canadian churches, they can't gather in person or have severe uh, size limitations still. What are some practical ways and things churches could be doing to help people who are struggling right now? Well, it's obviously an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? Uh, how many millions of people across the globe now know what a Zoom call is and had <laughs> year ago. And, and it's interesting because uh, distance communication and connecting has become a little bit more normalized, although uh, I think the lack of physical presence and contact is still having an impact. It, it seems that, I don't know, perhaps God has allowed the church to go back into that first century model of almost being a house church. And whereas there might be some social distancing um, issues and parameters in large gatherings, um, a lot of times smaller gatherings are, are permitted at some level. And even that's restricted in, in some countries still. But uh, I believe that isolation is the number one strategy of the enemy of our soul to take a person out. And that's why we're seeing this rise in all these um, mental health statistics. So I, I believe connections are important. Many churches have uh, adapted 
and, and have moved to online services and have actually grown in their, um, the number of people they're reaching because of it. It's an interesting phenomenon. And, and, you know, uh, the practical thing to do is to be connected with somebody. Uh, it's to me, it's not the perfect solution, but a zoom uh, connection or FaceTime or a number of the things that technology affords us today are better than no connection at all. Dealing with grief and loss at any time pre COVID is always difficult. Now in the midst of this pandemic, it has become something even more difficult to deal with because again, you can't grieve. You can't have funerals like you could before. How do we move forward and how do we deal with all of this? Well, I think understanding what God's word has to say about the topic of grief and loss is, is important. Um, grief is universal uh, everyone at some point in their life probably has experienced a loss and or resulting grief. How people grieve is individual and unique. I've learned as a clinician, as a counselor, not to uh, say a person's grief uh, is more valid than another person's experience or how they've managed or handled it uh, is better or worse. And I've seen, for example, people grieve over a lost pet almost to the same depth as I've seen them grieve over a lost loved one. And so I've learned not to um, criticize or judge that because everyone's grief is unique and individual. However, people need to be able to express it. Some people need to talk it out. Some need to write it out. Some need to shout it out. Some need to cry it out. The important thing is to get it out. Most grief responses, uh, thankfully, are relatively short term, six to eight weeks. And so I I don't want to minimize it when I say this too shall pass. But grief gets complicated when it goes beyond that and when people are stuck. I think the risk of more complicated grief, meaning people aren't moving past it, is higher because of the social isolation and the inability to connect, you know, to hug a loved one when you had someone die, for example, the physical contact and other forms of contact. But we are creatures of ritual. You know, every time the, uh, the Israelites won a battle, they started stacking rocks. I don't know. We, we seem to gravitate towards symbolic expression. So I often encourage people you know, what are some of the symbolic things you can do in memory of the person or thing that you lost? Uh, but again, I would say communicating, talking with others, albeit even if it's via Zoom, is better than nothing at all. A, a pandemic isn't fun. There's been lots of bad over the last year and almost year and a half. Uh, but have you seen positives like things like, well, at least we can connect virtually now and different things like that? Um, I, I have. And I think one of the things you see is, you know, pre-pandemic, every, life is busy. Society and culture is busy. It's uh, fast-paced, instant everything. And we often don't pay attention to what's going on right around us in our own neighborhoods, in our own communities, at the grocery store. And 
because of the restriction, because people haven't been traveling, I think communities are more attuned to what's going on. I can say that just in the community neighborhood where my wife and I currently live, that they're, you know, just in taking walks with the dog or having awareness of other people's issues and problems and has created more connectivity. For example, we had a, a, a mom and a dad who had a six-year-old who had a birthday and could not have a party, couldn't have the friends. And so the community arranged for this family to drive around all the streets and people would come out on their lawn and clap and sing happy birthday and wave to this six-year-old in the community. Some would walk up to the car and give presents. So this kid experienced a birthday party, probably unlike uh, he ever will maybe again, but it was a way for people to connect. And so I, there is an element of adaptability in the human condition. And I think we're seeing some of that and that's, uh, it can be a very positive thing. Even just watching my kids, they've adapted way better than a lot of adults in my life, including me, I think. So, <laughs> well, sh- sure. I mean, I mean, kids sometimes can be a little bit more adaptive, but how many parents have been forced to become instant homeschool parents, for example, uh, never intending uh, to now have to supervise some of their kids' education? Um, university students, um, even though many universities have added distance education pieces to their curriculum, a lot of students um, appreciate and enjoy the the interactive culture of a university, and yet they're also having to take um, courses online. And so young people still have to adapt. You know, uh, the younger the kid, uh, they express themselves not so much through talk, but through activity, especially play. And you've had empty playgrounds and um, the inability for friends to come over, et cetera. The pools have been closed. I mean, these things are starting to open back up. But a year of that, I think, has also impacted um, our, our younger generations, for sure. Your live stream uh, for Hope for the Heart on helping others who are dealing with grief and other ways of helping them cope with loss is May 26th. Tell us how we can be a part of that. Um, well, if people would like to uh, go to the Hope for the Heart website, hopefortheheart.org, you can certainly register for that grief and loss symposium. Um, it's relatively inexpensive. And, you know, one of the things we're going to do is give every uh person who registers a copy of the grief keys for living and uh, which is about a, a an 80 90 page uh, much more in-depth resource on how to handle uh, grief and so we and, and we're uh, June and I are going to field some questions we're going to interact uh, with people best we can over those two hours uh, People often describe June's voice as a warm hug, and mm-hmm. I kind of like that. And so, you know, people come to Hope for the Heart, some because they need the resource personally, and some because they're in the process of helping others in that particular uh, topic or area. So both are welcome. 
whether a person is directly impacted by a grief situation or perhaps they're trying to help a loved one or a friend or a colleague through a grief situation. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. And um, we're, we're, we're all in it right now, aren't we? And uh, everyone is doing their part in trying to, um, you know, represent the kingdom in a way that, that is helpful and positive. And thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.